Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. Hello, friends. Wow, I'm kind of impressed you came back after that uh, really lackluster intro episode where I don't think I sold the show very well. But anyway, you're here. I'm here. I'm Jim. You're you. And uh, welcome to the Nailgun Messiah podcast where I'm going to read you one of my novels in installments, in serialized installments each week. And so I don't have a whole lot to say to get us started off because I don't want to tell you much about the story before we get started other than I think we're in for a wild ride and I'm really glad you're here. If this is your first time to the show, you can go to jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun, J-I-M-H-E-S-K-E-T-T dot com, that's C-O-M, uh, forward slash nailgun to learn more about the show, to subscribe, and you can also go to jimheskett.com forward slash contest to enter a giveaway where I am giving one reader the prize of getting a character in one of my books named after him or her. So that's pretty exciting. If you're listening to this in the future, you can still go to jimiska.com forward slash contest because I run um, giveaways and crap like that all the time. Anyway, so I'm not going to mess around too much with the intro stuff because we already did all that last week and I don't want you to get bored. But we're going to go ahead and get right into our reading. This is the first installment of Micah Reed's Nailgun Messiah. The pillowcase over Micah Reed's head smelled of sweat and some kind of facial cleanser. Acne product, maybe. He couldn't tell for sure, and it didn't matter, because he had more pressing problems. The ropes binding his hands and feet were problem number one, since his top priority was leaving this room alive. The man who'd put him here had other plans. The jerk had snatched Micah off the street as he was about to walk into an AA meeting. Micah, the man said and Micah could see a vague outline through the white fabric of the pillowcase. Are you ready to talk yet? The back of Micah's head throbbed. He'd been, knock- he'd been knocked down with something, but he hadn't seen it coming. Only a thwack, and then a sudden pair of arms wrapping around his stomach. He decided to play tough. Take this pillowcase off my head and we'll see. It stinks like sweat. The man ripped off the pillowcase, and it took Micah a few blinks to adjust to the light in the room. He was in a garage with a single bulb hanging from a cord on the ceiling, big oil stain on the floor under the man's feet. The light swung gently back and forth, casting the man's shadows left and then right. Corkboards decorated the walls with tools arranged on pegs. Standard suburban Denver garage, with typical scarred-up snowboard hanging from wall hooks. I'm Seth. This person standing before Micah was a little younger than him, maybe mid-twenties. Big spacer earrings making his lobes dangle as his head moved. And his head moved a lot because he was fuming like he'd never been this pissed off before. Micah couldn't say for sure because he'd only met the guy today. Where is my cocaine, Seth said, and his eyes darted to the left, nose ring glinted in the light. Micah followed the look to a portable workbench where Seth had laid out a collection of instruments such as screwdrivers and hammers. 
Are you gonna poke my eyes out or smash my hand if I don't tell you? It'll be easier if you could set my hand on the bench. You might want to think about how you're gonna undo these ropes. Mike lifted his hands and realized that they weren't bound with ropes, but with orange extension cords tied into knots. Same with his feet. Extension cords? Wasn't the most professional kidnapping he'd ever seen. The Seth kid either didn't know what he was doing, or he'd acquired Micah through some impulsive snatch and grab. Regardless, Micah could get out of these easily if he could find a way to distract the Pierce cyborg. But as Micah was thinking of ways to divert Seth's attention, the kid snatched a screwdriver, flipped it so the point faced down, then jammed it into Micah's thigh. Searing pain burst from the two-inch hole halfway between his knee and his hip. Seth twisted the screwdriver on the way out, and an arc of blood squirted into the air as he withdrew it. You think I'm fucking around? Seth said. Micah took a couple seconds to catch his breath as stars dotted his vision. His leg vibrated while the pain radiated through his thigh. A trickle of blood darkened his jeans and slowly grew from a spot to a circle, and pain throbbed up and down his leg like cars on a track. No, I can, I can see you're serious. Seth hunkered down in front of Micah, fiddling with the screwdriver, spinning it in his hands. He licked his lips, and Micah heard a tongue stud click against Seth's teeth. Why don't you start at the beginning? Micah took a deep breath. The true story went like this. Micah met some girl at the grocery store. Her name was Allison. Allison was adorable in that misfit-slash-hipster kind of way, with her shabby chic clothes and sculpted hair, eyelashes a mile long. They'd bonded while standing in a long checkout line because she rolled her eyes at the cover of a trashy magazine with an expose describing one celebrity cheating on her husband with another celebrity. Micah and Allison discussed the trappings of fame, and he liked the way she wrinkled her nose while she was thinking. He got her phone number. Later, he called her, and they went out on a couple dates, which was a bad idea for several reasons. One of them was that Micah was only four months sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, and dating early in recovery is generally frowned upon. Another reason was that Allison was a drug mule for a dangerous organization, and she usually kept a few bricks of cocaine near her at all times. Micah didn't know this second fact, of course. He'd been too dumbfounded by the prospect of making a real human connection, something he hadn't done in years. Those initial dates led to sleepovers, and one evening last week, some cops decided to raid her apartment in the middle of the night. Allison flushed all the cocaine, barely in time. Micah slipped out the back window before they found him because he had a dicey history with the cops. To prevent making his present and future dicey, he avoided police contact like bee stings. But then it started going around certain circles that Allison's dealer was going to execute her for losing such a ginormous amount of cocaine, so Micah told some key people that he was the one who had flushed it. He didn't want to see cute hipster Allison take a bullet in the back of the head. And that's how Micah found himself in Seth's garage with a screwdriver hole in his thigh. I'm waiting, Seth said. Micah shrugged. Cops came. I dumped it like a teenager caught masturbating. I don't know what else you want me to say. Seth sighed as he dropped the screwdriver on the workbench and picked up a hammer. I think you're full of shit. I've been straight up with you, and you can't do the same for me, so now we're moving on to stage two. I'll save you some time. There's not anything else to tell. You can cut on me and jab me with more of your Home Depot collection, but it's not going to change my story. Micah glanced at the spreading circle of blood on his jeans. He didn't think he would bleed out anytime soon, 
but he needed to close up that wound somehow within a few minutes. There had to be a way to hurry this along. Allison has always been a good runner, Seth said. Getting mixed up with you is a mistake that doesn't make any sense. You, Micah Reed, are something of a mystery. It was hard to dig up info on you. Why is that? Micah made sure that Seth's eyes were on his face so he could test the extension cords binding his legs. They were a little loose, so he started working his feet back and forth. I don't know. I don't live on the internet like most people, I guess. Seth held the hammer above Micah's head and gave it a couple of test taps. Micah held firm. Seth frowned. So maybe dissecting you into little pieces won't make you tell me what I want to know. So how about this? I'll go to where you work for that bounty hunter Mueller. Micah's ears perked up at the mention of his boss and AA sponsor Frank. He tried to seem disinterested, but the fact that Seth could find this out about him was a problem. And I'll smash up his office and then get my boys to string up Mueller and bleed him like a pig. Would that help you remember where my cocaine is? See, Micah now had a choice of either sacrificing Frank or giving up Allison. Frank could take care of himself, but Micah didn't want to involve him in something so dumb. Seth seemed to be growing impatient with Micah's silent treatment, so he raised his weapon. As he was about to bring it down, Micah burst from the chair and wrapped his bound hands around the hammer just above Seth's. He used all of his inertia to push the butt of the hammer at Seth's face, which smashed his nose and drove him back into the wall as tools clattered to the ground around them. Micah kicked off the extension cords around his feet, but his hands were too tightly bound to free them right now. Instead, he set his sights on a door leading out of the garage into a backyard and got a grip on the doorknob as Seth lurched to his feet. As Micah threw open the door and rushed for the yard's back fence, Seth appeared in the doorway. Run, you piece of shit, Seth said. If I catch you, I'll kill your whole family. Micah had wriggled out of the extension cords binding his hands by the time he was halfway to the back fence. The remnants of crunchy February snow churned under his feet as he trundled through the grass and shrubs toward that chain-link divider. He hopped the fence and found himself in an alley, disoriented and aimless. Seth's voice carried across the yard a fever pitch of angry threats and promises. The voice moved, and so Micah moved. He snatched his phone from his pocket and tried to look at a maps app while not tripping, which was a challenge since he was running with a bad and bleeding leg. Each step plucked his muscles like guitar strings. When he'd figured out his location, he changed direction. He was only a few blocks from where he'd parked his car to go to the AA meeting before he'd been snatched off the street corner. He arrived at his battered Honda Accord a few minutes later, panting and covered in sweat, slid into the driver's seat and caught his breath over the next couple minutes as he drove to the next block and parked behind a convenience store. Peeling yellow paint and missing bricks. A homeless man sipping from a bottle in a paper bag, leaning against the dumpster in the parking lot. When he was sure that Seth wasn't going to come sprinting around a corner, Micah reached into his pocket and removed the severed head of a Boba Fett action figure, which he set on the dashboard. Boba's pointy helmet stared back at him. Shit, Boba. We're in a bad situation here. Micah popped the glove box and gripped a roll of duct tape, then slid down his jeans to examine the puncture wound. It had stopped bleeding, but he'd lost a good amount of blood over the last ten minutes. Leg hair adhered to his skin in black splotches. He wrapped the duct tape around it, then slid his jeans back on. That wouldn't be fun to rip off later, but better than bleeding to death. He dialed Allison's number, but she didn't pick up. 
Hey, he said to her voicemail, it's, it's me. I know we didn't leave things too well, but, but this is important. I met a friend of yours today, and he wasn't happy to see me. Maybe you already knew this, but I think you're in danger and you need to get out of town. He ended the call and stared at his phone until the screen darkened and auto-locked. The phone call wasn't good enough. He left the convenience store to drive over to her house, a tiny one-bedroom in the Denver suburb of Westminster. On the way, he considered calling Frank, but decided to hold off on that. He needed a plan first before involving anyone else. Frank would be disappointed. Micah needed to ready himself for that reaction. Frank had been kind to take Micah on as an assistant-slash-skip-tracer, but there had to be limits to the old man's kindness. In Westminster, he approached Allison Street slowly, checking into the windows of cars parked along the curb for the telltale signs of glow from phone screens or red cigarette cherries floating inside. Maybe Seth had people working for him, maybe not. Micah didn't see anything, so he stopped in front of her house, shoved Boba Fett in his pocket, then limped up and banged on their heavy screen door. No answer. He banged again and it rattled back at him. Starting to get worried, he peeked through the curtains and got a shock when he discovered all of her furniture was gone. Allison had already gotten the hint and taken off. Probably. If they were going to kill her, Boba, I doubt they'd pack up her couch and TV. Made sense. If she were smart enough to dump the cocaine when the cops showed up, she'd be smart enough to know Seth would come looking for payment for his product. Maybe she could have done him the kindness of letting him know she was going to flee, but whatever. Micah had proven he didn't know people as well as he liked to think. With no Allison to speak to, Micah had to make the phone call. At this hour, Frank would probably be asleep, but this was important enough to wake the old man. He dialed. Frank picked up right away, but spent the first few seconds of the call coughing and clearing his throat. Micah? Why the hell are you calling me so late? Frank's grumbly and familiar voice was like the comfort of sandpaper on an itch. Micah shifted the phone to between his ear and shoulder so he could slide back into his car and start it up. Frank, I, I uh, landed myself in a bit of trouble. <clears throat> Not surprised. Micah's pulse inched upward. Yeah, I, I know. I pissed somebody off, and it's not the kind of thing this guy will just let go. Mike listened to bed springs creak and jangle as Frank shifted around in his bed. What was your part in this? Micah hesitated. What he was about to say was the truth, but that old alcoholic thinking plagued him for a second. The paranoid fear that people would assume he was lying no matter what he said. Frank would believe him, though. Frank was on his side. This girl I was seeing lost a bunch of coke, and I took the blame because I didn't want to see her get shot over it. Uh-huh. So you'd rather get shot over it? What are you doing messing around with some cokehead? Long story, boss. The short version is that I didn't know she was into it, and by the time I'd figured it out, there wasn't a way to back out of it. It's It's been so long since I met a woman I could actually talk to, and she's really cute, and yeah, yeah, kid, I get it. It's always the pretty ones. So what now? Did you need something from me? Micah left the neighborhood and paused at a red light. A taqueria across the street promised 99-cent breakfast burritos. He didn't know which way to turn. This guy, he, he knows who you are. He threatened you. Frank laughed. Don't worry about me. I know his address, so I can find out everything about this guy in five minutes. Easiest skip trace ever. 
Mike listened to Frank sucking on his teeth on the other end of the line. I don't think so. You need to leave this one alone. Why? You're too close to it. With the girl involved and all that, it's way too personal for you. Maybe you should get out of town for a few days and let me work on it. Go take a little vacation. But, Micah said, I have other projects I'm working on. Don't worry about the time off work. Things usually slow down this time of year anyway, and I'll handle anything outstanding. Micah chewed on his lower lip. Disappearing seemed like a short-term solution, but maybe Frank was right. Frank cleared his throat again. Do you have somewhere you can go? Not really. What about that sister of yours up in the mountains? Micah sat at the intersection, considering it. Then the light flicked to green and a car behind him honked. He turned out into the street headed west. I'm not supposed to contact her. Come on, kid. The feds could have put you anywhere. You chose Colorado because of her, and don't tell me you never plan on seeing her again. You could go up to Estes Park or Breckenridge and hole up in a motel for a few days, but maybe this was supposed to happen. Maybe this is God's way of telling you it's time to go make amends to your sister. Micah knew exactly where she was, in a house on Caribou Road in the little town of Nederland, a half hour up the mountain roads past Boulder. As usual, Frank's grumbly insights cut Micah right to the bone. No, he wasn't supposed to contact Magdalene McBriar for any reason. And yes, a part of him knew he would, at some point, break that rule. Okay, friends. Thanks for bearing with me as I muddle through the first installment of Nailgun Messiah. It has been a really awesome time doing this for you guys, and I will see you in the next episode. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskit.com forward slash nailgunpodcast for information. And we'll see you next week.